0: Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in, and I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully, we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Oh, come on church. How many of you know we serve a risen king this morning? All hail King Jesus. He's forever alive and victorious over sin, over Satan, over death, and over hell. All hell, King Jesus today. He's alive forevermore. The one that we seek, he's not dead. He is risen alive and well. And we are here to celebrate his resurrection with each and every one of you. We're so honored to have you here at Word of Life today. We're so honored to have each and every one of you come into our facility. And I know many of you may be guests and visitors with us today. We're honored to have you here with us. Can we give it up for all of our guests today? We're so honored. And I know for many of you, this is your first time back in a long time. Can we give it up for everyone who's back? We're so thankful to have you guys here with us to celebrate Jesus. And before we do anything else at all today, we just want to take a moment and pray and give thanks for our risen Savior. So let's bow our heads. If you're married, grab the hand of your spouse. Father, we come before you today. We thank you that you are the risen King, that death could not hold you down, but you rose above it all. And Father, we thank you that just as you rose above death, that Any single circumstance that people in this room may be facing, that Father, you give them the grace, that resurrection power to rise above it all. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit breathes a breath of fresh air upon each and every one of us. And at the end of this service, let your name be called upon and let your name be praised. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, can we at our Lakeland campus? Can we give it up for everyone who's watching across town at our Highland Colony campus? <sighs> Uh, This is our first Easter celebrating Word of Life at Holland Colony, and we're so thankful to have each and every one of you there, worshiping with us, and if this is your first time at that campus, we're so delighted that you graced our doors, Uh, you belong here, and we're thankful to have you a part of the Word of Life family. Uh, And all of us, can we welcome everyone watching online today from all over the world at both campuses? (laughs) We're so thankful to have you all tune in as well. I want to invite everyone, no matter where you're watching from, uh, to open up your Bibles with us this morning to the book of Matthew. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Um, And uh, we're just going to look today at the resurrection story, and I really feel like I have some things in my heart uh, to communicate, and I'm excited about that, and just pray that the Holy Spirit makes this word incredibly personal. How many of you know that God can talk right to you this morning? That no matter who you are, uh, the Holy Spirit can just deal directly with your heart. Um, And honestly, my chief prayer is that every time you come into Word of Life, you don't hear um, me just talk, but you hear the Holy Spirit speak right to your heart. And that's what I'm believing for. Here in Matthew 28, Jesus has been crucified And his followers are coming to his grave. Matthew 28 and verse 1. It said, Then the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone of the door and set upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. In other words, they fainted. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord did lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him, for I have told you. And they departed quickly from the grave with great fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' words Uh, These words, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, I love this, the first words of our risen king out of the grave, all hell. And they came and they held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me. Now, notice verse uh, uh, 1 again. At the tail end of that, it says, and the other Mary to see the grave. And then go down to verse 8, and they departed quickly from the grave with great joy. The very place they went to weep was the very place they left with great joy. The very place they went to grieve was the very place they left rejoicing. The very place they went to weep over felled expectations was the very place they came with greater expectations than they ever had before. And the reason why is we still serve a God who can turn a grave into a garden, who can turn a place of weeping into a place of... Of rejoicing, if we will just allow God to finish the story. We say it all the time here at Word of Life, but it's the truth. If it's not good, God is not done. You gotta give God time to write the end of the story. And I know that some of you may have just come off a very hard season. And I know some of you have just made, have come from a place of weeping or maybe still in that place right now, but I've got good news for you. The very place where you are weeping can be the very place where God makes you rejoice because he has given you beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. If it's not good, God's not done. You must learn to give God time. Uh, I found this very fascinating as I read the Easter story and really for the past three weeks I've been preparing my heart personally for Holy Week and I think next year I'm going to do like a big Holy Week across all of our campuses where we have a big Palm Sunday and a big Good Friday and a big Easter Uh, because Holy Week really is a precious time in our Christian tradition. Uh, uh, And out of this, we see uh, that the very first Easter, the day when Christ rose again from the grave, his disciples were not coming to celebrate his resurrection. In fact, they were coming off one of the worst moments of their collective lives, and they were coming to a grave to weep. They were in a season of hurting, they were in a season where they were wounded, they were in a season where their Lord was crucified, and with their Lord being crucified, so was their hope. Now, hope in all of your lives, and I don't know exactly who all of you are, but I'm glad to have you here with us today, but in all of our lives, if our heart is healthy, it is a hopeful heart. That the three tenets of our Christian faith, the things that should always reside in our heart is faith, hope, and love. A faith, a devotion towards Christ, a hope that God will turn things around for our good and love knowing that I am always, no matter what I've done, deeply loved by God. These are the tenets that should make up a healthy Christian heart. But so oftentimes, our heart gets broken. Our heart gets shattered because uh, expectations begin to fall apart, and the plans that we have made for life begin to drift out the window when unforeseen circumstances enter in. And the truth is, the very first Easter was one that was celebrated uh, with grief before it was celebrated with rejoicing. They had in their minds what would happen with Christ. They see Christ enter into their life, and he comes in with so much expectation. There are so many miracles. And they are witnessing his glory, scripture says. Blind eyes are being opened. Deaf ears are being released. We're seeing captives being set free. And they begin to see this is the Messiah. This is the king who is going to set up a new kingdom. He is going to deliver Jerusalem from Roman oppression. And he's going to reign from this kingdom from here on forever. And we will be loyal to him. How many of you know, in life, all of us, I do it too, we begin to forecast what life will look like. At the start of 2020, all of us had a year of vision, clear vision. We're going to see things we've never seen before. We are going to go places we've never been before. And sure enough, we saw some things we have never seen before, and we went to some places uh, we didn't know we would go, Uh, but it was not where we foresaw. And it can be discouraging. Uh, If you've lived long enough, you know that each one of us will have pains that face our individual hearts. And this past year, uh, we have had as a nation, and honestly as a world, a collective pain that has entered all of our hearts. I can remember this time last year, I was standing on this stage for Easter, preaching to an empty room. There was no one in here besides the cameramen. I had to make them turn off all the lights in the room uh, because any bit of movement would distract me. And I was so grieved that we were not able to celebrate Easter together that literally I could not film. So we filmed my message part four different times, and after the third, I just said, look, I have got to go collect and compose myself because this is not what I had planned. This is not what I had hoped for. This was not what I expected. And I had to take a moment to take that in and came out here for the fourth time. Uh, I know that over this past year, all of our lives have been disrupted. It's amazing the disruption that has happened, and some of our lives have been disrupted more than others. I know that there are people in this room who had the inconvenience of having to work from home. I know that there are many in this room who had the convenience of having to school your children from home. Uh, and thank God that season is coming to an end. Uh, so, you know, like we had all of these, these moments uh, where we, we saw things that we didn't expect to see. And all of us had to adjust to that, but some of us had our hearts broken more than others. I know friends uh, who had relatives pass away this year, um, and some from COVID, uh, and others from, from other things, but even in their passing, because of the COVID restrictions, were not able to be with their loved ones when they passed, walking them through that pain as a pastor. Uh, this year, I have seen uh, people grieve um, in ways that I have never seen people grieve before. And having to do it sometimes, so isolated and so distant from other people. And at the very first Easter story, you see a lot of grief. You see a lot of sadness. You see a lot of people who don't understand, why am I having to go through this? And the, the root of this grief was unmet expectations. And it started with an unmet expectation that they had for Christ. They didn't see him dying. Now, he told them repeatedly, they will crucify me, I will die, and on the third day, I will rise again from the grave, but with the selective hearing we tend to have as humans, we don't want to hear about pain, and so we just collectively kind of move that part out. They didn't see him doing this. And when he is giving himself up to die, and he saved everyone else through three years, but he's not saving himself, everyone was wondering, what is going on with our Lord? And they were disappointed that things were not working out the way that they thought they would. And then you had others who were not just disappointed in that, you had many others who were disappointed in themselves. That at a time when Christ needed them most and needed their support, they found themselves drifting from their values. Have you ever found yourself drifting from your values, like drifting from what you knew to do well? Have you ever found yourself making a promise and then not keeping that promise, telling yourself never again and only to find yourself doing that very thing the very next day? Uh, Have you ever found yourself disappointing yourself? On this Easter Sunday, you had these these men and these women incredibly disappointed in themselves that they had betrayed the Lord, that they had forsaken the Lord, that they had forsaken their values. You have Peter by a fire who has blatantly told the Lord, everyone else, Lord, may forsake you, but I never will. And yet standing by a fire, he denies the Lord three times. And he weeps bitterly, Scripture says, when he has this moment where he catches eyes with Jesus. And he falls into this place of condemnation, and he goes back to the life he had before Christ. You ever been tempted to go back? Acted like you'd never been in a church? Acted like you'd never heard the good news of Jesus? Acted like you'd never worshiped before? Peter went back. Back to the life he had before Jesus. And he's wrestling with this shame, and he's wrestling with this disappointment, not a disappointment in Jesus or life, but a disappointment with himself, a disappointment at his own failure, a disappointment at his own flaw, and he is running from the Lord. The Easter story started with grief. They went to the grave to weep. They went to the grave to mourn. They went to the grave to anoint a body that was still in a tomb. And Jesus met them there. How many of you know Jesus will not leave you in your grief? Jesus will not leave you in your condemnation. Jesus will not leave you in your shame. Jesus will meet you there. But the key to the Lord Jesus is always you making a decision to begin that journey back. I I was praying this week and I just kept having this phrase come up in my heart. Jesus is the way back. Maybe some of you have lost your health in this season. Jesus is the way back. Maybe some of you have lost your discipline in this season. Jesus is the way back. Maybe some of you have lost your hope this season. Jesus is the way back. Maybe some of you have lost your family this season. Jesus is the way back. All hell, King Jesus, Jesus is the way. But it begins with you taking those steps back. I I was struck in my own personal meditation this week of the story of the prodigal son. Many of you know the story. There's a young man in the story, he comes to his father, and he basically tells him, I wish you were dead. Now, can you imagine that? My sons are actually here today on the front row. Don't look over there, because one is still very young, and he's probably coloring. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's paying attention. All right, yes. Uh, So... Uh, My my sons, like, I cannot imagine one of them coming to me and saying, I wish you were dead. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to have anything to do with your house. I don't want to have anything to do with your message. I don't want to have anything to do with you. What you would give me when you die, I want it right now, because to me, you are dead. Now, Jesus is telling this story in the context of what the Father is like. People thought they knew God. Have you ever met people who thought they knew God? People thought that they knew God, and Jesus is coming, who is God-made manifest in the flesh, to show them what, what the God is really like. And he tells them, God's like a father who has a son who doesn't want him. Amazing. Amazing. And this son did not want his father. This son did not want his father's house. This son did not want his father's presence. And we don't know why Jesus left that part out, but we do know what he did. He took the father's money and he went out and lived a riotous life. He went out and lived it up, and he lost all his values, all his sense of morality, all his sense of, of, of all the lessons that he learned in his father's house. He was acting like he wasn't loved by a father. He was living less loved. And you see this son go out there and live this way, and of course, God is merciful. This is important. God is merciful. How many of you know God is merciful? Amen. Of course, God is merciful, but sin is not. Sin is not merciful. Sin knows no mercy. It sits and waits as a trap and waits for you to walk in it before it springs out on you and begins to devour you and hurt you. God is merciful. Sin is not. The wages of sin is always death. You get in sin and stay in sin, it'll kill something. You get in sin and stay in sin, it'll kill something. Sometimes it'll kill a body, yes, but other times it kills something else. It kills hope. It kills love. It kills the heart. It'll take a tender heart and make it hard again. It'll take a tender heart and it can't be felt. It can sit in a service and, and have everybody else worship and it just stands there because it's hard. Sin will kill something. It'll kill a heart. It'll kill hope. It'll kill expectation. God is merciful. Sin, oh, it's not. At its end, it kills. And this son finds this out in the story, that sin is not merciful, that sin is fun for a season, it's exciting for a season, it's Instagram-worthy for a season. But at the end, when you run out of filters, (laughs) it winds up killing something. Now listen to me. I have this so big. This is not my message. I didn't plan on saying any of this. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit knows better than we do? Amen. 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 That call in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit trying to arrest you, trying to wake you up. Sin is not merciful. It'll take more than your hair, Samson. Samson. You sit in that lap long enough. See, the mercy of God is time. There's seed, time, and then harvest. When judgment day comes, and it always comes, it comes in every parable Jesus told, judgment comes. When judgment day comes, judgment's not a bad thing. Judgment is is indifferent. It could be good or bad. Well, what makes it good or bad? The seed that's been sown. On the day of judgment in a field when harvest time comes, it just simply reveals what was planted. And when that seed springs out of the earth, you see what was actually under the surface. You see what was buried in the darkness come forth in God's light. And when that judgment day comes, it's a revelation of the seed that was sowed. That's all judgment day is. If it was good seed, the judgment of that seed shows a good harvest. If it was bad seed, the judgment of that seed shows a bad harvest. The mercy of God is the time. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Time is the mercy of God. Thank God that there is time before my seed and harvest. Thank God, because the Lord knows I have sowed my good share of good seed, but there's been other times in my life where I wasn't perfect and didn't always live by the values I had in my heart and maybe sowed some bad seed. But thank God, in mercy, there was time enough to get out of it, come to myself, and stop the harvest from coming. And I just feel so big in my heart to tell you that the time is the mercy And God's trying to wake us up out of our malaise and to get us over into a period where we judge ourselves and we come back and take that seed out of our heart. Well, the prodigal son didn't. He waited past that time. And when sin was done, when when, when that, that, that sin was done with him and the fun was over and the party stopped, he found himself in a pigsty. And in the, which is the worst for a Jewish boy, he was in a pig pen. And the Bible says, Jesus telling the story says, when he looked at the pigs, he longed for what they were eating. His life was so broken, his life was so shattered, his life was so wounded that he's looking at pigs saying, I wish I had what they were eating. And the Bible says, when he saw this, he came to himself. See, the Bible talks about how the enemy deals in deception. And the problem with deception is this. You don't know you're wrong. When you're deceived, you actually think you're right. And so you live with this knowledge. Oh, she's she's not trying to hurt me. She's just asking me repeatedly what the secret to my strength is and you know and it's like samson what are you doing man everything you tell her she is doing right after you tell her do not tell her the secret of your strength. get out of the house and we wonder why he stayed deception deception we wonder why he stayed and we we don't see why we're staying. Why do we stay and keep watching it? Why do we stay and keep being around it? Why we, why do we stay and keep dating it? Come on somebody. Like why do we stay? And the reason why we stay is deception. The enemy blinds the eyes of our understanding. But God in his grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit opens our eyes where we can see what is the hope of our calling and we come to ourselves. For Samson though and even for this prodigal, they just had that moment too late. They didn't have to go through all that pain. They didn't have to go through all that heartache. They didn't have to go through all that loss. They didn't have to have that type of season. They just waited too long to come to themselves. How many of you know even in both those stories, when they came to themselves, their ending was better than their beginning because God is merciful. Sin is not merciful, but God is merciful. How many of you know you're not a sinner in the hand of an angry God? You, you, You may be a sinner and you may be committing sin, but you are someone who God loves for God loved the whole world. That he sent his son Jesus into our lives, that in your sin, yes, even then. Jesus said this in the book of Romans, Paul says this, that if very scarcely would one of us die for a friend, but while we were yet in our sin, while we were yet even in our sin, Christ so loved us that he gave himself for us. The prodigal comes to himself. And in coming to himself, he invents this plan, and here's what he says. He says, I will begin to walk back to my father's house, and I will tell him I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I don't want what I was originally asking for any longer. I just want to be a hired servant and let me work for everything you give me. Before living in the Father's house, he has so much boldness to ask big. But after the consequence of sin, he's coming back to the Father and his house saying, I know I asked big before and you gave it to me, but now I'm not asking for anything, but I'll work for everything. And he's practicing his speech. And as he began to walk back home, as he began this journey back, this this journey back towards the father and this journey back to the father's house, the Bible tells us that the father was waiting for the son. And God is waiting for you. God is waiting for everyone in this room. And you know what he's waiting for? The walk back home. Here's what I find fascinating. When the the father uh, sees the son, he does not come in with this place of condemnation and how dare you, and I told you, and you should have known better. And I've got news for you today. I I don't care what you've done during COVID, and I don't care what COVID has done to you. Here's what I'm saying to you is is God, when you come home to the Lord, when you come home to to God's family, when you come home to God's house, he does not meet you with condemnation. He does not meet you with shame. He does not meet you with guilt. He does not meet you with how dare you. He does not meet you with I'm disappointed in you. He does not meet you with you should have seen this coming. God does not meet you with condemnation. God meets you with grace. God meets you with mercy. God meets you with a ring on your finger. God meets you with clothes on your back. God meets you with sandals on your feet. And God meets you with a fatted calf. Because God is rich in mercy, God is merciful. But you and I find interesting in this story that the whole time that kid is in that pigsty, his father did not come and bring him a meal. He waited for him to walk back. And I'm telling you right now, maybe in this past season, COVID has taken something from you. Maybe in this past season, like Job, you have seen life fall apart. You have seen unmet expectations. You have seen unmet dreams, unmet realities a house that didn't sell, a baby that didn't get born. Maybe in this type of this past season, maybe you've seen, and I know pastors who have seen it, their churches just be demolished financially. I've talked to missionaries who their support was cut in half. Maybe in this past season, you have seen destruction, or maybe you've seen famine, or you've seen heartache. I read a report from a psychologist that said over the past year of COVID, over one-third of Americans have had suicidal thoughts. In the same report, it said the average American has gained two pounds a month during COVID. (laughs) But here's what I do know life's a collection of seasons. And on your drive home today, you're gonna see a season that has changed and shifted and things are coming back to life. It wasn't but a month and a half ago where everything was covered with a bitter winter and a bitter snow, where everything was frozen and it looked like everything was untravelable and it looked like everything was just stuck and it looked like everything was gonna be unchanging and it looked like everything was dying and it looked like all the leaves were off and it looked like all the flowers would die and never come back. But how many of you know winter? does not last forever God is a God of seasons and on your drive home you'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living and he doesn't leave you where you found you that the same place you were weeping is the same place you can be rejoicing if you just give God time And I'm telling you, you may be brokenhearted and you may be a little bit discouraged, but if you'll begin that walk back to Jesus, God will come running to you. God will come running to your mess. God will come running to your problem. If you don't believe it, you look right here at me. My father died over 20 years ago and I came to this very land and was weeping because a promise was going unfulfilled and it looked like a thief had taken something from my life. But the very place I was weeping over 20 years ago is the very place I stand standing today with the rejoicing in my mouth and the praises of God in my life. You know why? Because God's not John. you got to walk back to him. you got to allow God to finish the story. God's a redeemer. All hell, King Jesus. The king who can turn the very place where you were weeping into the very place where you're rejoicing. All hell, King Jesus. A God who picks up broken dreams and restore broken lives. All hell, King Jesus, who can be the lifter of our head, the joy of our life, the strength of our soul. All hell, King Jesus. He's the King who rose above it all. Maybe COVID took something from you. Walk back to God, he'll come running. Maybe you've been crying, walk back to God, he'll come running. Maybe you've been disappointed, walk back to God, he'll come running. And maybe you've been like Peter, filled with sin and filled with regret, standing by a fire, denying the Lord Jesus three times. I'm telling you, you walk back to Jesus, he'll come running back to you. And when Peter saw the risen king, When Peter saw all hell King Jesus, he jumped out of the boat and began to swim back. When he got to the shore, you know what he found? I said, do you know what Peter found when he got back to that shore? He found a Jesus who had built a fire. Why? Because God's a God of redemption. God's a God of redemption. And he knew Peter denied him by a fire, so he's going to get Peter to confess him by a fire. Because the same place you grieve at is the same place you can rejoice at because God can turn it around. He built a fire. And Peter comes up to it. And three times Jesus has Peter tell him that he loves him. You know what Peter found? That the very Jesus he went swimming to was the very Jesus who came running to him. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, if you'll just begin a walk back, if you'll just begin to walk back, you'll find a God who's running. God is merciful. He didn't hold Peter's sin against him. He didn't hold David's sin against him. He didn't hold Saul's sin against him. Instead, he just changed him into Paul. And God can change you. I don't care who you are. God can change you. Jesus is the way out of addiction. He's the way out of brokenness. He's the way out of a past. Jesus is the answer. All hell, King, Jesus... And I'm telling you, you haven't gone too far. At Highland Colony, I'm telling you, you haven't gone too far. Jesus sees you. You walk, he runs. You make a decision to come out of that pit. You come to yourself and say, I've had enough of sin. I've had enough of brokenness. I've had enough of desperation. I've had enough of a season without hope. I believe God is changing a grave into a garden. I believe winter is changing over into spring. I believe God's about to make my life more beautiful and more wonderful than I have ever seen my life before. God's not done with me. He's not done with my family. All hell, King Jesus. And today we're going to end with worship, but before we do, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. At Highland Colony, same thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. At that campus, I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan to come up, close out the service. This campus over here at Lakeland. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to walk back to Jesus. I want to walk back to Jesus. Jesus all over this room. I don't know what's happened. Maybe COVID has hurt you. Maybe this past year of quarantine has hurt you. Maybe you've drifted from your values. Maybe you've drifted from your, your, your father's house. Maybe you've drifted from the father. Maybe some of you have so many regrets based off of what you've done or what you've watched or what you've seen or what you've listened to that you say today, I want to begin my walk back. Here's what I came to tell you today. God is merciful. He is rich in kindness. And the same God who's been watching over you is the same God who wants to restore you. He doesn't need your perfection. He just needs your surrender. He doesn't need you to get all the dirt off of you. No, he'll put a robe of righteousness to cover up your dirt. He just needs you to walk back. And if you're here today and you want to begin that walk back, You want to surrender. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If that's you, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, I want you to do something right now, from the front to the back to the balcony. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up to Jesus and surrender. Hands going up all over the room, hands going up all over the room. This is all I'm going to ask you to do, hands going up. Surrender everywhere, surrender everywhere. We're just surrendering to Jesus. All hell, King Jesus. All hell arisen king. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll wait for you. Hands going up. Anybody else? Somebody says, why, why does this matter? It's just saying, God, I've had enough of doing it my own way. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to start the walk back. I want my grieving to turn into rejoicing. I want a new season, God. I want a new season in me. I want a new season in life. This is what this hand means. Just surrender. Amen. Now, all over this room, just pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. You're not looking for my perfection. Thank you, Father, because I could never give it. But what you are looking for is what I give you today, my surrender. I give you my heart, Jesus. I give you my confession, Jesus. You're my Lord, you have saved me, and you will save me. The very place I was weeping at, by your grace, it'll be the very place I rejoice at, and today I start my rejoicing. You're a God who can turn a grave into a garden, who gives me beauty for ashes joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. My spirit is lifted. My life is changing. My best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate everyone who made a decision for Jesus today. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on, church. Let's celebrate everybody who made a decision for Jesus today.